Good day, brothers and sisters, and welcome once again to the CMI School of Christ. And uh, we're going to go ahead and continue with our class, The Great Mercy of God. And what I'm going to do uh, today is I just want to look back at uh, a passage that we've, we've actually looked at before, but I actually found some notes, <clears throat> excuse me, I found some notes that I'd not uh, covered and so I, just kind of, I was just kind of going over them and just kind of doing a little bit of reading. Uh, so I'd like to go ahead and just share a little bit from the notes. And uh, we've, we've already covered some of this in a previous class. And it was by mention, you know, I, I made it by mention without uh, really searching into, you know, the, the terms and the commentators just to kind of get a feel for what they were saying, but <clears throat> but this time we're going to go ahead and look at some commentaries, some commentators on what they said. And the passage that we're going to be looking at is John chapter 8, verses 39 uh, through 40. That's, that's the main passage, um, the main text for this class. <clears throat> and I'll go ahead and read that. This is out of the... King James, verse 39. They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said unto them, If you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. Verse 40. But now you seek to kill me, a man that hath told you the truth, which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. And uh, we're, we're going to go ahead and read uh, different commentators here. And basically they're going to say you know, what, what we covered in one of our previous classes, which is basically this, that Abraham rejoiced in, in that he would see the Lord. He rejoiced in the expectation of beholding Christ, uh, where Jesus says, Abraham you know, rejoiced that he would see my day and he saw it and was glad. Okay? Whereas uh, the Jews, whoops, the Jews, they did not rejoice. It was completely opposite. Abraham lived in the divine expectation. The appearing of the one who is in the midst. That's the divine expectation. The appearing of the one who is in the midst. And the thing is, is that the Jews had somewhat of an expectation for the Messiah. That's who they were expecting. But the thing is, is that they had their concept of how he would appear. How he would appear, what he would appear like, and what the effects would be when he did appear. And see, that's, that's, a, that's a thing. All those expectations, uh, you could say Abram could have had those, but only in Haran, where the natural mind was governing, or where the natural mind governs. You know, and it's, it's just like a, a type and shadow right there. And see, as, as stated before, with Ur and Haran, they they were very similar in that they worshipped the moon god. 
you know, a light that is no light at all, a light that is only found in darkness, you know, when it's dark, not a light that is found in the day. Okay? So, I'll just use Abraham as a type. When he was in Haran, he was still ignorant of the one who is present. Okay? And what I mean by this, uh, we're looking at the journey of Abram uh, from beginning to end. And it begins in uh, Acts chapter 7, verses like 1 through 4. Let's just go ahead and turn there real quick. It says, uh, Then said the high priest, Are these things so? And he, Stephen, said, Men, brethren, and fathers, hearken, listen. The God of glory appeared unto our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Charan, Quran, and said unto him, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and come into the land which I shall show thee. So verses uh, 1 through 3. But that was... Abraham in type at that moment it's like Abraham being born again because up until that time glory was not present. Abraham like everybody else were as dead as dead can be doing their own thing but says the God of glory appeared unto Abraham when the God of glory appears everything changes at that moment now, uh, because we're looking at Abram, it's a physical journey once again, but as we're, as we're looking at it, for the born-again believer, this is not a physical journey. If, if, you can, if you can hear this, this is a journey of the heart, a journey of faith. Where Abram moved from physically, literally moved from one location to another, after the God of glory appeared, the one who's born again, the Spirit of the Lord, just as he did with Abram physically, must now bring the heart of the one who's born again in understanding where the Spirit of the Lord has already brought the soul in reality. Therefore, It's just a matter of the heart turning unto the Lord to behold the one who is present in the midst. And we see that. We we see that really spelled out because finally we know when Abram finally comes to the land that God wanted to show him, the Lord is the one whom he sees. The Lord appears in the land. That's it. Come unto a land that I will show thee. And see, that is the the eternal expectation from beginning to end. And God doesn't change his mind on that. That's what Abram first heard when the God of glory appeared unto him, like at the moment of new birth. And, see, that doesn't change when man in his natural ability or um, in his natural strengths and abilities comes short of that. Because that's where he was in Haran when the Lord spoke once again the exact, very exact same thing. Get thee out from thy country, thy kindred, and now he adds, and from thy father's house, where he was abiding, abiding. He was abiding, trying to find, listen to this, he was trying to find what he believed to be his life, where in reality, his life was not. Abram, at the moment, 
that the God of glory appeared unto Abram when he was in Ur, everything changed. Up until that time, how shall I say it? Up until that time, Abram, well, in type, once again, in type. Up until that time, Abram had no life until the God of glory, who is life, appeared. Now, that doesn't mean that Abram's now governed by the reality that's present, who is the God of glory, who's present. Though the eternal change has come the moment the God of glory appeared. And see, that is the eternal change. It comes at the moment of new birth. And the change is is basically this. It's not I, but Christ who's present. Not I, but Christ who is the life. Not I, but Christ who is all things. He himself. Okay? But right here in Haran, he was still beholding that which governed before the God of glory appeared. And how shall I say this? Uh, have you heard of the, the, the phrase or the passage, the vanity of youth? The vanity, I mean, think about it. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not going to look it up, but just think about it. The vanity of youth. And I've considered that, gosh, quite often for the past couple of months, just the vanity of youth. And here's where the vanity of youth is. The vanity of youth is present. Well, I can't see as present. Uh, governs. That's a better word. I like that word, governs. Governs until the one who is truly present in the soul appears, is revealed. Because, see, up until that time, um, you, you can hear it with this, uh, the Apostle Paul. He said, when I was a child, I spake as a child, thought as a child, I understood as a child. But then he says this, but when I became a man, and you you can search this out, it says, the child was put away. Well, the child wasn't put away at that moment. No, in Paul's heart at that moment, the child was put away. The same verse, or excuse me, the, the the same idea, the same thought with this other verse. In Galatians where Paul says, Uh, God forbid that I glory except here's my glory here's my boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ and listen to the the order of of what he's going to present now listen there's a specific order it's a godly order it's ordained of God right by whom the world is crucified unto me that's reality and then and I am crucified unto unto the world. Now reality is governing his heart. But when does reality govern the heart of one who's born again? It's when the one who is the reality of God appears. Alright? Now I've got these, I mentioned this in my Spanish class because I was thinking about this. I've got these like little concentric circles. No, they're not concentric circles. They're uh, increasing circles. They, They represent the appearing of the Lord. Each time he appears, he appears in a greater measure. Well, uh, that's on our end. It, 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 the, that's like us looking or us discovering the Lord. Okay, but in reality, which would re- be real hard to do, I'm, I'm, I can't even think of how to do this. In reality, I could 
very truthfully and very correctly take the red chalk and fill this whole land up with pure red because that's reality. The God of glory appeared unto our father Abraham. That's reality. The God of glory is present. I love, I love the, the book of John. Uh, Lord willing, I'll, I'll read it and mark all these notes uh, in it sometime and go through it just really slowly. But the very, it's the exact same example. The very first miracle Jesus did, I mean, think about this. The very first miracle Jesus did was it he changed the water to wine. And I think uh, Brother Lumen brought it up a little bit, or he touched on it concerning fullness. And Jesus said, yes, fill the water pots basically to overflowing, beyond measure. That's really what it is. Fill them beyond measure. And then they're brought to him and he does a miracle, the very first miracle and changes the water to wine representing the new birth. Uh, The life is in the blood. Jesus said, uh, take, drink. This is my body and this is my blood. And he gave them the bread and the wine. That's the first miracle of God, the moment of new birth where life is present where life was not present before. That's reality. It is a miracle because uh, chemistry-wise, it's impossible to do with the natural. It is something that is completely impossible, contrary to nature. You cannot do this. Jesus would say, with man it is impossible, but with God all things are possible. That's why it's a miracle. And that was the very first miracle in the book of John. You can read it. It's beautiful. Now, the second thing that he does, and I love this, because this is a perfect example of reality. But see, though you have like all these things happening in the book of John, all this happens in a moment, in an instant, at the moment of new birth. The very next thing that Jesus does after he he changes the water to wine is that he goes into the temple, and you know this, He drives everything out of the temple that is not himself, where he alone is present in the temple. See, that happens the moment of new birth. That's why I was saying uh, it'd be hard to kind of show it, but in reality, I could literally take the pink red chalk and fill this whole land up with red because that is what happens at the exact moment of new birth. The God of glory appears, who is Christ himself, the glory of God. And he fills the temple, he fills the land, he fills the soul with himself. The vanity of youth is this. And it's not the vanity of youth like, oh, when I was like a physical child. No, 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 no. Remember? When they came out of Egypt, the Lord said, this is your beginning of months when the lamb was slain. Right? They had to be obedient. But what caused it? What brought this change? What brought this, you know, the end of one time and the beginning of a completely new time? What brought this? What brought the end of this one age 
and the beginning of this new age, this new era, this new time, the Lamb appeared. Everything happens when the Lord appears. The Lamb appeared right there as a type of Christ. Christ appeared. Okay? This shall be unto you the beginning of months. And so, it's from the moment of new birth that we begin just like a child. But why? Because a child is ignorant and I, I'm just looking with, and we're going to see this too in, in the, going on with this class, with, a, with this type of Abram. A child is no different than a slave. He doesn't know the purpose of the house. He doesn't know the business of the house, whereas the father of the house does. And that's why a child is no different than a slave. Because a slave has to be told, okay, do this, do that, do this, do that. The child has to be told, do this, do that. Well, why do I have to do this? Ah, there it is. All it is is an understanding that governs the heart. Okay? Paul, when I was a child, you know, I spake like a child. Why do I... Listen, why do I, anytime the I shows up, we are, we are considering something that we believe to be our life. We are considering something to, that we believe to be our relationship with God, an idol, or idol worshiping God in our image, the God that we've created, versus beholding the one who's present. When I was a child, spake like a child, thought like a child, acted like a child, governed like a child... Ah, but when I became a man and better put when I beheld the man who is present just like Jacob he, he says this uh, and I love this with Jacob because it's so it's so you know it's in the scriptures so that we can have hope and listen the same expectation. Jacob goes to Bethel, lays his head upon a rock. He sees the Lord, right? He sees a ladder and the Lord above, risen. And then he says, surely, and listen to the way, listen to the way he says it. Because we, we say, we mess up all the context. We, we, we just past, present, future, we butcher it all. But Jacob says this, Surely the Lord is current, present, is present, is in this place. Where was he? He was in Bethel. Surely the Lord is in this place. And I, I, before that moment, knew it not. But now I know Therefore, I will call this place Bethel, which is the house of God. Jesus, the second thing he does in the book of John, goes into the temple and he says this, you've made my father's house a den of thieves and robbers, drives everything out to where only he alone remains. And surely 
God is in this place and until he appears where we behold him who is present until he is revealed of his father up until that point we know it not it's like the veil of ignorance once again the vanity of youth I thought I thought this was my life I thought this was my life and see even I said this uh, during my Spanish class uh, using myself as an example the moment I was born again the the devil never told me um, where was it no 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 here it is before I was born again the, the devil never told me hey look how contrary to Jesus you are He never told me that. Because I was too busy considering, listen, myself. He didn't have to tell me anything. I was no different. Before I was born again, your father the devil. He was my father before I was born again. Ah, but see, everything changed at the moment of new birth. Not, but Christ and see, in all this time right here, then he would say, you know, the enemy, consider yourself, consider yourself, and I consider myself. Whereas the scripture say, consider Jesus. Looking unto Jesus, the author, the finisher of our faith. Looking unto Jesus. Consider Jesus. Consider him. Consider him. Him. Um, I just want to mention this. When I was... Um, and like I said, once again, with these circles getting bigger, you know, it, it's, it's reality is that he completely fills the land. It is us who are completely ignorant of the one who's present. That's why the Lord mentions it from the very get-go, from the very beginning. The God of glory appears unto our father Abraham. Get thee out and come unto a land that I will show thee. He declares the end, the purpose, the goal from the beginning. And he doesn't change. It's the divine expectation. Once again, when Abram comes short of that goal, that end, that purpose, that divine expectation, God doesn't change. Nothing has changed in the mind of God. Even though reality doesn't govern the heart of Abram, nothing's changed. Get thee out of thy land, thy kindred. And now he adds this, from thy father's house, because you're dwelling in the wrong place. And this can be taken and say, okay, uh, now I need to dwell over here. Now I need to, now, now, listen to this, now I need, no, 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 no. The Lord declares it. I mean, it is from beginning to end. I how I brought you. Listen to this verse. Uh, I think it's out of Exodus. The Lord speaking to the children of Israel. You like that? To the children of Israel. He says this, You saw what I did to the Egyptians and how that I brought you on eagles' wings unto myself. That's reality. Whether the children of Israel are governed by that or not. And we can see the whole, their whole wilderness journey. They were not. 
But the second generation was the generation that went in with Jacob, right? Or excuse me, not Jacob, with Joshua and Caleb. They were governed by that reality. Unto a land I will show thee. And the land that he shows is the land that is filled with his glory. Okay. Let's see. So nothing's, nothing is, nothing, nothing. Listen to this. This might upset you. Uh, nothing changes after the moment of new birth. Why? But why does nothing change? Okay. Because the eternal change came at the moment of new birth. The eternal change is this. Not I, but Christ who is now present. Ah, and now you're probably thinking, okay, well, well, why do I, or why don't I, why I? Once again, the vanity of youth. The vanity of youth. Considering self, considering myself. And I love this. It was the Lord by the Spirit from beginning to end. Jesus said this, no man can come to me except the Father draw him. And see, that is all that God the Father wants to do. Draw and bring unto the Son to reveal the one who is present in the midst. But see, he can't reveal the one who is present in the midst if you're not born again. No, you must be born again. Now, now being born again, once you're born again, now nothing's changed unto a land that I will show thee. But the majority never in their hearts allow the Spirit of the Lord to bring them unto the land that I will show thee. And therefore they camp, camp out and hang out and live an existence in Haran, completely ignorant of the one who's present in the midst. I, uh, just with the diagram here of the land, I, uh, when, I was, when I was a kid, like in third, fourth, fifth grade, I wanted to be an archaeologist. Kind of, I know it's kind of funny. Uh, I wanted to discover the secrets and riches of the past. I wanted to be an archaeologist. And this was before the, the Indiana Jones movies came out. When the Indiana Jones movies came out, oh gosh, it was totally popular. Everybody wanted to be an archaeologist. Well, I had just read books that my uncle gave me and I, w I would go out looking for fossils, looking for arrowheads, looking for signs of life. Why would something like that be in my heart? Because God purposed the soul for one thing. The eternal discovery of the one who is present. This is the walk of faith. This is the walk that Abram had in the land. I mean, there's a verse that, we, that we've read where it says, I took your father Abraham throughout all the land. I took him throughout all the land. What We already know what Abram was discovering throughout all the land. He was discovering the Lord himself who was in the midst, who was in the land. The one Abram was just ignorant of. In uh, Hebrews, 
Let me see if I can find the verse. I'll look it up real quick. Went out Yeah, this is uh, Hebrews chapter 11, by faith, you know, talking by faith, by faith. This is uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out not knowing, not knowing where he went, not knowing how to get there, not knowing what he would find when he finally got there. You could pretty much well say Abram went out, Abraham went out ignorant. Abraham went out ignorant. Until when? Until the Lord appeared. Then, listen, he was no longer ignorant of the one who was present. Remember with, with uh, Jacob? God is in. The Lord is in this place. I, I knew it not. I'm the one who knew it not. He is, he is here. I am the one who knew it not. There is the eternal, listen to this, the eternal expectation for our souls, our hearts, and for our heart and our soul. And then listen to this, there is the eternal confession that we make. I know not the one who's present. I know not. So then right here, I mean, but I love that, just that little story, you know, with archaeology. And see, God, He puts that in the heart of man from the get-go, from, from, you know, from when they're born in the flesh. I was asked once... Uh, when I was down in Mexico by one of the students, I was asked, I was asked this, Jimmy, and forgive me, I've said this before. Uh, he goes, Jimmy, do you believe in the prosperity gospel? And I looked at him and he said, why, yes, of course I do. I just have the prosperity of God as being his son where others have the prosperity of God being something less. And I didn't do that in my heart. I didn't, I didn't decide, okay, now from here on, to me, prosperity means Christ. No. No. When the Lord appeared, listen, when the Lord appeared, at that moment, we are governed by the change. You can, you can search this out and you can email me uh, if you can find this. But after Abram comes to the land and the Lord appears in Shechem, the Lord never again has to tell Abram, get thee out from thy land, from thy kindred, from thy father's house. Never again. Never again. Why? Because when the Lord appears the second, now the change begins to govern Abram. 
He, he never looks towards Ur again, towards Haran again. Now, he does mention it when I think they're trying to find a, a wife for his son Isaac later on. Uh, we haven't gotten there yet in our notes. And he said, uh, I think the servant said, so uh, should I take your son? Listen to what he says. Should I take your son to Haran? He says, no. Leave him here in the land. Leave him here in purpose that he may continue in purpose. Now, you bring from over here that they may come into the purpose that is already established for them. And if they don't want to come, then fine. But the one who is governed by purpose, no, will not go again to serving no purpose. And when I say that, I mean serving the purpose of God. And what is serving the purpose of God? Beholding the one who is present. The eternal discovery of the one who is in the midst. That's all it is. It's, it's, it is the Spirit of the Lord preparing the heart so much that He can bring the heart, direct the heart, and place all the attention of the heart on the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. And this, this is a work of the Spirit. This is a work of the Spirit from beginning to end. From beginning to end. I couldn't make myself born again. I can't make myself know the one who is in this place either. In this place, in my soul either. God has to do this. And it is His good pleasure to reveal His Son. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. Uh, not this past Monday, but I think it was the Monday before I had mentioned this phrase during the open forum. <laughs> but it's so true. It was, it, how did I, how did I say it? Conflict of interest. That's all it is. Here, before, the one born, before one is born again, there is a conflict of interest. Man's interested in himself and God is interested in his son. After the soul is born again, there is still a conflict of interest until the Father reveals the Son who is present. Why? There's a conflict of interest because in our hearts there is governing ignorance. And we're interested in what we believe to be, this is the way I said it, in what we believe to be our life is. In what we believe to be our relationship with God is. In what we believe. Just like the Jews here, you know? They, they, as I stated at the beginning of the class, they had their concept of the Messiah. They had an expectation. The, fact, the, the, the sad fact of the matter is that it was their expectation. Unlike their father Abraham that we read in Hebrews. He went out not knowing, not having an expectation whatsoever. Not having, listen, a preconceived idea. Abram, the only expectation that Abram had was it well... God called. I don't know where it is. I don't know how to get there. I don't know what direction it's, going, it's at. I don't know what I'll find when I get there. And I don't know what will happen after I do find whatever's there. He had no expectation. The only expectation he had was unto a land that I will show thee. That's all he knows. God's going to show me a land. That's it. That's all I know. 
But these Jews, in John chapter 8, they had an expectation of the Messiah. They had their expectation of what he's going to be like, how he's going to appear, and what he's going to do for them when he appears. And when the, the Messiah appears, there is a conflict of interest because it's not according to their expectation. Right there. And it's always what it is. When do, when do, our, when do our thoughts change? When do we when are we finally governed by the reality as God knows reality reality to be in his son? When are we finally governed by the truth as God knows the truth? Do, do, do you hear this? When are we finally governed by light as God knows the light? See? There's there's what we know. And what we know is darkness. But there is what God knows. And what God knows is not places and things, times, events. God knows His Son. We're governed by that knowing when God the Father reveals that Son in our heart in our soul. That's when we're governed. And up until that point, I'll just say this, it's the vanity of youth. It is. I mean, we, serve, we, we go off trying to serve God and it is indeed us serving God. But as I've stated before, there's only one who serves His Father and that's Jesus. He told, uh, the Lord told Moses to tell Pharaoh, Israel is my son, singular, even my firstborn. Let my son go that he may serve me. He didn't say they, he said that he may serve me. In all reality, there is only one who serves the Father. That's the Son. I love that. You hear the same thing with the Apostle Paul. You know, he's, he's, I don't know why he has to do this, but he says it. Okay, he says it's okay. And forgive me, this is my vernacular, basically. My, my paraphrase of this, he says, okay. You know what? He goes, I labored more abundantly than all the apostles. But he can't say that. He did. And he says, ah, yet not I yet not I yet not my concept of I but the grace of God that is in me the son serves the father the eternal discovery of the one who is present I love it that John on the Isle of Patmos you know he says just, I mean, just you, you see the parallel with with, Ab- with Abram. Abram, after the God of glory appears, he gets as far as Haran. God does not appear to Abram in Haran. God speaks to Abram while he's in Haran, and he speaks the same that he spoke from the beginning. 
unto a land I will show thee. And this, the, when the Lord appears the second, it's in the land. All right. But here's John on the Isle of Patmos. I heard a voice that spake, from, that spake with me. A voice from heaven, an eternal declaration, a celestial declaration. He says, and I turned to see the voice. And there's a, a beautiful description of Christ. And then he says this, and in the midst of the lampstands, I saw him. See? We, we in our understanding, would be content to just see the lampstands. Oh my gosh. They're all lit. Shiny. The Spirit will not settle, does not settle for anything but the Son. See, where we would settle for something less, the Spirit of God doesn't. Because He knows the truth. And so, and it says, and in the midst of the lampstands, one, like as unto the Son of Man. And then he goes on with that beautiful, continuing with the beautiful description of Jesus. And then John says this, And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. He laid his right hand upon me and said, Fear not, I am he that liveth. Was dead, behold, alive forevermore. I'm the life here, basically. And see, that, that whole thing, we, 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 think, we start thinking immediately, oh, that means, you know, I have to die. No, you never had life in the first place. Before you were born again, you didn't have life. The thing is, is that before, you, before the Lord is revealed, before the Lord appears, we are beholding and have some concept of what we believe to be our life. Once again with Jacob, uh, Peniel, wrestling with God, right? Struggling with God, trying to, I don't know, trying to get the victory, you know? I don't know. But it says this, and, and you can check this out, you can search this out, it's, it's all there, I mean, in the original. He says this, um, well, let's, let me just go ahead and read it. The way I don't misquote it. I love this. <laughs> Just the whole passage. I, I love this. Okay, this is basically when Jacob's coming back uh, to the land. Um, he's, well, he's coming back to the land. I think at the time he's been in Haran. And I, I think it's in Haran where he, where he marries uh, Rebecca and, uh, no, no, excuse me, not Rebecca, Rachel and Leah. Forgive me about that. I, th I think he's in Haran during that time. Forgive me if I'm wrong. But anyway, this context right here in uh, Genesis 32, starting with verse 24, he's coming back to the land. He's coming, listen to this, he's coming back to purpose. All right? 
And Jacob was left alone. And see, that's, that's, that's the thing. At the moment of new birth, Christ is present. The glory of God is present. Life is present. Salvation is present. Righteousness is present. Everything is present in the person of Christ himself, the Son of the living God. Everything. Each one of us who are born again are to behold the one who is present. Remember how I mentioned it, that uh, it wasn't good enough for only Abraham to behold the Lord. No. There were others with Abraham as well. Right? What about Lot? He needed to behold the Lord. What about all those that came with Abraham out of Haran? They needed to behold the Lord. Because the purpose it wasn't just for Abraham, a select one or a select few. No, the purpose is the purpose is the entire purpose for which God created the soul. Period. So, I love this the way it reads here in uh, Genesis thirty-two, chapter thirty-two, verse twenty-four. And Jacob was left alone. We face. Forgive me, it's no pun intended. We face this alone. We face this individually, you know, with the Lord, one on one. Matters with the Lord, one on one. And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of day. There's this struggling going on, this huge struggling going on, this turmoil outward, inward, everywhere, until the breaking of the day. Until the day dawns, the day star arise in the heart. Until God the Father reveals the Son who is present. Right. And there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and uh, the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint, and he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. Bless me and what I believe to be my life. Bless me and what I believe to be my relationship with God. Bless me. Right? Completely ignorant of the blessing of God that is present. So... Verse 27, And he said unto him, What is thy name? And he said, Jacob. The supplanter. What is the supplanter? The one who tries to take for himself. The one who in his own strength tries to grab, take for himself. That's what it was. And he said, Thy name shall be no more Jacob, but Israel. He was left alone. The Lord appeared. Not I, but Christ now. The name, your, your name, what's your name? What governs you? What do you believe is to be that which governs you? 
Your name is no longer Jacob, no longer supplanter, no longer trying to get God to bless you. But now to behold the one who is the blessing of God. Not I, but Christ. And he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. But he, he's not saying, because you, Jacob, are a prince. No, no, no. A prince, listen, a prince is the son of a king. Christ is the son of his father. Israel, the true heir to the throne, the true, listen, the true ruler, governor of the kingdom. Thy name shall no shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel, not I, but Christ. And this only happens when the Lord appears. For a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. And Jacob asked him and said, Tell me, I pray thee, thy name. And he said, Wherefore is it that thou dost ask my name? And he blessed him there. But what was the blessing? Not I, but Christ now governs. Now governs. And you see, the whole thing, I love this. The whole thing, and you find a beautiful testimony of this with Jacob, is that Jacob was born in the land. He wasn't born outside of the land. Now listen to the way I'm going to say this. Jacob was born into the purpose of God. Jacob was born into the purpose, into purpose. At some point in time, he left purpose unto something less. And God brings him back unto purpose. And see, God cannot bless this man. He doesn't. He cannot. He blesses his son. In this sense, his son is his blessing. His son is the blessing. Couldn't bless Jacob. Ah. But he does bless Israel. Not I, but Christ. And he blessed him there. Verse 30, and this is, this is actually what I, I was getting to. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face. And this is the reality that must be realized in our hearts, in every single one who is born again. Calls the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face. It was no longer just my father Isaac. It was no longer just my grandfather Abraham. But I too have seen God face to face and my life is preserved. You can look up the term preserved. I'm not going to give you the strongest number. Uh, or yeah, I guess I can give you the strongest number. Whoops. I'll give it to you in just a second here. 
Thirty. Come on. Give me just a second. For I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. The term preserved is Strong's number fifty three thirty seven. It's the verb the And listen, this is Strong's. Uh, dictionary, Hebrew dictionary, it says a primitive root to snatch away whether in a good or bad sense. For I've seen God face to face listen to this, and this is the experience that every single one who's born again must experience. It is the purpose for which God first appears in the soul from the beginning. It is the purpose out from unto a land I will show thee. For I've seen God face to face, and that which I believed to be my life, that which I considered was my life and my relationship with God, was snatched away. My ignorance was taken away. And him who is my life is preserved, remains. Him who is my life remains. And that's the thing. See, it's, it, is, it is a matter of knowing the one who is present in the midst. From the moment of new birth, the eternal change, not I, but Christ is present. And we are not governed by that reality until God the Father reveals the one who is present. The one who is present is his soul, excuse me, is his, is his son, and he desires to reveal his son in the soul, the heart, the heart and soul of the one who's born again. When the Lord appears, the reality of the change that came at new birth now governs not I, but Christ. What I believed, what I thought to be my life, is taken away. And him who is my life remains. My ignorance is snatched away, is taken away when the truth of God appears. And it's not the truth of God that I read out of the scriptures. The truth of God is Jesus Christ himself when God the Father reveals him in the heart. Then the truth is known. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He also said this, No man knoweth the Son but the Father, and no man knoweth the Father except the Son, and he to whom he will reveal him. It is the eternal discovery of the one who is present. At any moment, um, I like I like that. That I'll just use Abraham and Jacob, but with 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 Abram. He had come short when he, when he camped out in Haran. And then the Lord spoke again. And later on, I mean, we'll read it in Genesis. It says, I brought thee into this land. He was brought by the Spirit of God unto purpose to behold the one who is in the land. Okay? That was Abram. Having not yet seen the one who is present, 
the second had not yet appeared. Okay? Jacob was serving purpose and then steps out at some point only to be brought back by the Lord back to the purpose for which his soul was created the eternal discovery of the one who's present and see that I I love that the way the scripture says it that, that the Lord says I took your father Abraham throughout the land throughout all the land so he could discover fully and completely the one who is fully and completely present in the land the eternal expectation for the soul and the eternal confession of the heart I know not only the spirit of the Lord can cause us to confess that we don't know only the spirit of God can do this that's why, that's why he takes the testimony to prepare the ground of our heart to bear an appearing of Christ so that our hearts may turn and behold the one who's present. And I'll, uh, <clears throat> I'll just end with this one verse. If I can find it. <laughs> I'm not going to find it. It's in our uh, it's in our notes from last week. It's a the, the passage out of Isaiah, and I, I love this. This is this is I love this. God, listen to this. This may offend you. This may upset you. God doesn't have to do anything. Christ His Son has done it all, fully, completely. Hey, He He sat down at the right hand of the Majesty, and God was okay with that. Well, not more in, more than just that. God was satisfied and is satisfied eternally with his son. There's, no, there's nothing more to be done except to know him who is present. All right, this is Isaiah uh, chapter 46, verses 3 through 13. I'm just going to read a couple of, of verses. I'm not going to read all of them. I know I'm already pretty much running out of time, but I'd like to just close with this passage. Forgive me, I'm circling my English verses because I already have my Spanish verses circled. All right. Um, Isaiah chapter 46, verse 3. Here's verse 3. Hearken unto me, O house of Jacob, and all the remnant of the house of Israel, which are born by me from the belly, which are carried by me from the belly, from the womb, from the very beginning. Born by me, carried by me. I love that. Which are carried by me from the womb and even to your old age I am he and to your gray hairs I will carry you beginning to end who's doing this the Lord I have made and I will bear even I will carry and will deliver Uh, the word deliver uh, it's Strong's number 4422. It's basically save. Save. And then uh, verse 9. Remember the former things of old, for I, God, for I am God and there is none else. I, yeah, I am God and there is none like me. 
declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do my pleasure. <clears throat> declaring the end from the beginning, and not only that, showing himself to be the one who brings from the beginning unto the end, who carries the entirety of the time, who brings our heart that it may know, that it may turn to behold the one who is present. That's all it is. Excuse me. The eternal discovery of the one who is present. So, I'll go ahead and end this class with that. I think my throat's starting starting to give out here. Um, But... This, this is, it's more than a class, as I've stated several times. I mean, this is what I must experience. This is what every single born-again believer, this is what we must experience. And we must experience on a one-on-one basis with the Lord, in this sense. <clears throat> it has to be face-to-face. I will never experience this looking into the face of some other man. I will never experience this looking into the face of some other man, whether it be myself or whoever. I'll experience the reality of God. I'll experience the eternal change that took place in my soul when I behold the face of the one who is present. And only God can do this, and it is only a work of the Spirit. So let's just yield to the work of the Spirit in our hearts to prepare the ground of our heart to bear such an appearing of Christ. Amen? Amen. Okay. Uh, With this we'll end and we'll see you in our next class. Amen.